You're listening to Marketing News Canada, Canada's number one show featuring the brightest minds in marketing, PR, and digital advertising. Hi, welcome to another episode of Marketing News Canada. Today, we are pleased to welcome Alain Hunkins. Alain is a highly sought-after keynote speaker, facilitator, coach, and author with a mission to help high-achieving people become high-achieving leaders. Over the past 25 years, Alain has coached, trained, consulted with tens of thousands of leaders and businesses in over 25 countries, including 42 of the Fortune 100 companies. Alain is the CEO of Hunkins Leadership Group, recent author of Cracking the Leadership Code, Three Secrets to Building Strong Leaders, and currently writes a monthly leadership strategy column for Forbes. Thank you, Ellen, for taking the time to speak with me today. Shelley, it's my pleasure to be here with you. Thank you. So I have a copy of your book, Yay. first of all. Fantastic. Uh, I've been reading through it, and I have to say that it's been really insightful, especially in light of the challenges that leaders have faced during the past year and a half. Obviously, it's been a very different time where it's been difficult, and I find the interesting timing... The book published in March 2020 at a time where everything was totally flipped upside down. And I would even say that many of the points you make were prophetic in a lot of ways as to what leaders were suddenly faced with. And obviously, all of those issues have been completely accelerated. (laughs) Perhaps you can take me through a little bit about how the book came to be. Uh, what it was intended in the beginning, and then how it's transformed during this past year and a half. Yeah, for sure. Launching the week as the world shut down was not part of my master plan, for sure. Yeah, the book came out March the 24th. It was published. And just to let you know, yeah, and thank you for the bio. So my background, ultimately, I am a leadership development practitioner. I think of myself as being out in the field, working with leaders day to day, getting into the minutiae. Because I think the idea of sitting down and writing a book about leadership based on my own cocktail napkin theories isn't particularly useful. So the book came out of basically, I always wanted to write and I've always written as a hobby, as it were, when I was younger. But what I wanted to do was capture all the great insights that I was seeing out in the field on the road week after week. So what I started doing was capturing stories because the way we learn as people, we learn best through stories. And so I would see something play out as a story. And I think, what's the principle behind that? And I turn that into a blog post. And I started this mm-hmm. blog post called The Business of Behavior in earnest mm-hmm. in 2013. And I published a new post once a week, every Saturday, and I did not miss a Saturday for over four years. So four years later, I've got over 200 blog mm-hmm. posts. I started Lots reviewing through all, you know, just consistency. And I'll tell you, mm-hmm. if you and it, they're still up on my website, alanhunkins.com. You're welcome to go there. There's some even earlier ones and the early ones, they suck. I mean, (laughs) it's a muscle. You have to get better at this. Mm -hmm. All of which to say is 200 and some odd posts later, I went back and reviewed all of them looking for both the best stories as well as what were the common themes. And what I found, Shelly, having worked with all these leaders is that there were these three meta themes or meta skills that kept emerging time and time again. It turned out that the best leaders all had these three things in common. And the lousy, mediocre leaders had all these three things in common in terms of what they Mm -hmm. didn't do well and what these themes ended up becoming, which is now the subtitle of the book, The Three Secrets to Building Strong Leaders, are these three Mm -hmm. themes. The first one is around connection. The fact is Mm -hmm. at its core, leadership isn't about your job title or position. Mm -hmm. It is a relationship between two human beings. Mm -hmm. So if you want to lead someone, 
in hopes that, that they will follow you. And again, we'll dive into deep into more depth mm-hmm. around this. I'm sure is that leadership is it's a voluntary act to follow. Mm-hmm. You know, in the knowledge work age, you don't just want compliance. You need people to think, to problem solve, to be creative and innovative. So what are you doing to create a relationship where people want to give their all or even most, you know, as opposed to the minimum daily requirement? So connection, the first piece. The second big core theme was around communication. Mm-hmm. Kept seeing, you know, so many things seem to break down because we don't wind up with shared understanding. And that is key because without shared understanding, we have no solid platform on which to make good, solid decisions moving forward. So that was another key. And then the third theme was around collaboration. That is what, as a leader, am I doing to create an environment where myself and those around me can be at our best, to show up and do our best work. And not just today, but sustainably in the long term. Mm -hmm. So those were the themes that came out and I just kept working and massaging them over years. So that's what led to the book. And what's interesting, Mm -hmm. and I know we talked about this slightly off air before Mm -hmm. we got started, is, you know, with the pandemic, these principles have always been at the foundation of leadership. However, this pandemic has accelerated and heightened the need to show because they are ultimately human-centered leadership principles. And now more than ever in the middle of a global health crisis, the likes of which we haven't seen in a hundred years, suddenly this idea of people are literally thinking about life and death and those big picture, like, what is my life about? Wow. Mm -hmm. What's it like to not commute? And, you know, and we're seeing this with people going back to the workforce now or choosing not to, or how things are going, working Mm -hmm. from home, the hybrid model where things are going. So the need for leadership, both at the individual level and the organizational cultural level, Mm -hmm. is we need to figure out how are we going to be leading humans in 2021 and beyond? And so Mm -hmm. I think the book was tilting in that direction. And Mm -hmm. this world of kind of coronavirus pandemic life has just exacerbated the need for it even more so. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So you talk a lot about empathy. Yeah. Yes. And I think it's interesting in that, where did that come from for you? Did that start early on? Did that start when you started leading other people? Tell me about that. Yeah. Well, for me, you know, it's interesting because, you know, you look at these stories of like, where are these themes? And for me, empathy shows up in a lot of my writing and a lot of the story. So clearly it's something that I either needed to learn or needed to teach or just experience. And I write about this early in the book, you know, what drove me beyond the, I was working with leaders and out on the field and I wanted to share these things. That's all the kind of at the surface level. So I want to dive a bit below the surface and actually take you back, take you back to some early days, which is my family Mm -hmm. of origin, which frankly, Mm -hmm. for all of us is the initial organization that we are all familiar with and learn about leadership. And Mm -hmm. I had a pretty unique company that I got to work in, in my family Mm -hmm. in that it's a fairly unique childhood. So I grew up in New York city. It's not so unique. I was raised by a single mom and my grandmother, also not particularly unique. Mm -hmm. The unique part, Shelley, is the fact that my mother and my grandmother are both survivors of the Holocaust. They're both Jews. Mm -hmm. And my Mm -hmm. mother is born in 1935. So if you know your Mm -hmm. history, and they were in Belgium, the Nazis invaded early in 1942. So my mother is Mm -hmm. not even seven years old at this point. And Mm -hmm. she is separated and taken away from her mother. And she is put into hiding through the Belgian underground, where she Mm -hmm. spends the next three and a half years being shuttled from place to place 
the meantime, her mother's trying to make sure she's provided for. In the meantime, my mother is just, you know, having massive trauma. She's given a fake identity. She's got her hair dyed blonde. I mean, the whole Mm -hmm. thing is, it reads like out of an adventure novel. And they amazingly both survived the war. My grandmother was actually arrested and put in a concentration camp and liberated at the end of the war. And they were reunited at a displaced persons camp. So they get back together and there is this trauma that has lived out, as you can imagine. Just imagine what that would be like to go through what would that do for your sense of belief or trust in other yeah. people? What would it do yeah. in terms of... What, so that shaped their worldview immensely. And lo and behold, later on, my grandmother became my primary parent. My grandmother was born mm-hmm. in 1909, Poland. And mm-hmm. I'm growing up in the 1970s in New York City. So what I mm-hmm. noticed was the vibe in my house, in my apartment, right. our little two-bedroom apartment in Flushing, Queens, was very different than the vibe at school or the vibe at my friends' houses. Mm -hmm. And I think part of my tuning empathy takes sensitivity. And I was a Mm -hmm. sensitive kid. I was the younger son. I was Mm -hmm. the younger of two. And, you know, youngers are often have to be more sensitive because they're trying to navigate their way in the landscape because you're smaller. And for me, empathy, which is, you know, my definition of that is showing people that you understand them and care how they Mm -hmm. feel. I noticed that it seemed that whatever I could try to do to make my mother, my grandmother happy didn't work so well. Yeah. <laughs> and at the time, of course, I didn't know it wasn't about me. You know, kids think, mm-hmm. oh, what am I not doing? So I tried different things. And so as I got older and then got into college and studied psychology, and then I got myself into some therapy, started mm-hmm. realizing, oh, this is like, again, all this stuff wasn't stuff I was even aware of at the time, yeah. but it had really, it got my antenna super sensitive. We'd call this emotional intelligence. Yes. So I became very emotionally intelligent very early on out of necessity. Mm-hmm. And I think this is the thing. And for those of us and those listening, I mean, going through various traumatic experiences is not that unusual. Mm-hmm. You know, there is, you think, oh, how horrible. And mm-hmm. if you can heal from it, there are mm-hmm. great gifts that come out of this. So I, I realize that for me, my sensitivity and picking up on these subtle nuances has become mm-hmm. a facilitation superpower. So mm-hmm. for that, I am infinitely grateful in terms of mm-hmm. how it has provided for me. So that's a bit about how my focus on empathy mm-hmm. got started. I love that facilitation superstar. <laughs> that goes well. So what does it mean to you then to be an empathetic leader? Yeah. So where it starts from, you know, I was just having this conversation yesterday in a coaching session, where it starts from being an empathetic leader, you know, as as leaders, look, we're on the hook to deliver results. And as such, we tend to show up ready to perform and Mm -hmm. to get things done. And the challenge, and, and look, that worked well. In fact, it probably got us promoted into the leadership role that we have. You know, the big trap, though, that so many leaders fall into is there's a huge gap between being an excellent doer and then mm-hmm. learning how to unleash the doing in others, right? You have to, yes. it's not about doing for them. It's about facilitating. Mm-hmm. I call it the facilitative mm-hmm. mindset because you have to facilitate high performance in others. Yeah. And so often leaders who have this doer, high performer mindset come in with their agenda. And I think where mm-hmm. empathy starts is you have to understand the other person's point of view Mm -hmm. and you actually need to build your agenda based on their agenda, right? right? And so for many of us, that is an extra step that we don't make consciously. We might give it some lip service, but are Mm -hmm. you really thinking about where the other person is? And one of the challenges that we have, and, you know, psychologists call this the fundamental attribution error, 
which mm-hmm. is basically we judge ourselves based on our intentions. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a good person. I mean well. I, mm-hmm. I'm a nice leader. I think my people think that they know that I care about them. And so mm-hmm. we tend to stop right there. Mm-hmm. But the other piece of the fundamental attribution error is that we judge other people by their behavior and their results, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I'll give you another example of that fundamental attribution error is if you're ever driving mm-hmm. and somebody cuts you off in traffic, you think, oh, what an idiot. Like, what are they doing, right? Whereas mm-hmm. when you're the one who's doing that, like, I'm late, I have to go somewhere, you don't mm-hmm. understand, right? Mm-hmm. We justify our behavior. And so yeah. as leaders, we need to basically understand Leadership, we are in the perceptions business. That is, we have to manage other people's perceptions of us. Mm -hmm. And the way we start that is by building a connection where we, without the shadow of a doubt, know, not just think and intend, but we know Mm -hmm. that people believe we have their best interests in mind, which means we have to lean into being exceptionally human and actually take more time, Mm -hmm. particularly upfront with any project or task. That's one of the things I coach leaders. I say, you need to put relationships before tasks. So when you yeah. get together with your project team, before you start, take the two or five minutes to, to check in as people. Hey, Shelly, mm-hmm. how are you today? What's going on? How are you, like, who are you, Shelly, as the person, as opposed mm-hmm. to my, you know, fill in the, the functional role here and let's mm-hmm. get to work. I can yeah. guarantee you doing that, you're going to actually save time in the long run. And this is a paradox. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that today's 21st century leaders need to do is embrace Mm -hmm. paradox. So many of us lead based on the role models we had, which were on efficiency and speed. Mm -hmm. And part of the wisdom of being a great facilitative leader is there's a time and a place to go fast, absolutely. And there's a time and a place to go slow. And mm-hmm. we have to slow down to build relationships based on empathy. So mm-hmm. then we have that trust, that psychological safety, that caring. So then people can go ahead and take off and accelerate and get the job done. Yeah, absolutely. So psychological safety is something that I'm hearing more and more about, especially in light of issues that have risen to the surface during COVID. Tell me a little bit about that. I mean, at its core, I imagine employees need to feel safe in their space. It's something that would be fundamental to employees' personal life. And then that's now translating to the office and the career. Yeah, yeah. So really interesting because, you know, it's funny in, in the book, we write in the section on collaboration, we talk about these four fundamental human needs, safety, mm-hmm. energy, ownership, and purpose. Mm-hmm. And I write about safety at the time. You know, I said, the first thing is, mm-hmm. is physical safety, you know, which yeah. is why we have, you know, in the United States, it's called, I don't know what it's called in Canada, but in, yeah. it's OSHA, right? The Occupational yeah. Safety and Health yeah. Association. Yeah, work safe. Yeah, here. work safety. And so mm-hmm. it was like, you know, making sure that you can have clean air and that there's no ladders. in your But now, obviously, with COVID, it was mm-hmm. don't come to work, stay at home. There was that mm-hmm. level of physical safety, mm-hmm. you know, and equally important oh. is this idea of psychological safety. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there was a great article written by Charles Duhigg, who is the author of The Power of Habit. He wrote for The New York Times called... Google's quest to build the perfect team where they Mm -hmm. actually, this work on psychological safety and what they found and and Google called it Project Aristotle was Mm -hmm. what creates the highest performing teams. It's this a couple, couple of key things. One is that everyone on the team has approximately same amount of air time in a meeting. So if we have an hour Mm -hmm. and there's five people in the meeting, is that mm-hmm. one or two people aren't dominating 55 minutes and everybody else is nodding right. their heads. That people are yes. speaking up and that you as a leader are creating a 
comfortable or safe environment for people to speak up and that you encourage people to. And the other key piece to this is that the leader needs to demonstrate and model a certain level of vulnerability of not just trying to pretend to be what we call the mythic leader superhero. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm in charge. Everything's fine. This is all going well. Have no fear. Yeah, exactly. Versus, Mm -hmm. hey, this this is what I'm being struggled and challenged by today. Mm -hmm. And what's amazing is by you doing that, you give permission to other people to do the same. Mm -hmm. And suddenly like, oh gosh, like, wow, they're struggling with whatever, whether it's a health issue or God, I can't get my kids in childcare because, or, you know, just doing these Zoom calls with my kids and my pets in the back, this is driving me crazy, whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's life. And that's the other thing that's come out of the pandemic is having to see people in their home environments. Yes. We can no longer be these two-dimensional cardboard cutouts. Like Mm -hmm. I'm an employee. Look, I just live in the office. And like, Mm -hmm. you've had to deal with life and work and whether it's aging parents or challenging kids, whatever. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is, and it's messy and it is Mm -hmm. hard and it mm-hmm. is real. Mm-hmm. And the more that we can lean into supporting people, the more they're going to feel like, oh my gosh, not only does Alain care about me, Shelly, the employee, they care about me, Shelly, the person and my family. Yeah. And you know what? That's what engenders and creates loyalty and trust mm-hmm. and commitment and engagement mm-hmm. and the willingness to give more than you thought. You know, mm-hmm. these are fundamental principles and these are things mm-hmm. that we as leaders can do to, to make it happen. Mm-hmm. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Mini Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. One thing that I found that was interesting during the pandemic when everyone was working at home was the shift from the extroverted team members who generally had a lot of the airtime and then moving to communication channels like Slack where the introverted team members were now starting to have more of a voice than they normally would have because of the platform that they were communicating on. Yeah, 
fascinating, isn't it? Right. So yeah, in fact, you look at social media and stuff, it's actually in some ways, it's a social introvert's dream, right? Because mm-hmm. you're actually, you know, and it's so funny because I work with a lot of leaders like, oh, I could never do what you do. I'm an introvert. Mm-hmm. Like I can't mm-hmm. get up and talk in front of a room of a thousand people or like time mm-hmm. out, time out. Where mm-hmm. are you getting this idea from? Because yeah, newsflash, I'm an introvert too. Yeah. Introversion, extroversion has nothing to do with whether or not you have people skills and, and, mm-hmm. and feel comfortable communicating. It has mm-hmm. a lot more to do with the fact that where do you get your energy from? That's the real key. It's like, where are you getting your energy from? Do you need to go off on your own to recharge or do you want to be around a group of people? That's it. Yeah. The case closed. So yeah, mm-hmm. no, the different channels And it's also been really hard for leaders who Mm -hmm. depended on that face-to-face and being Mm -hmm. in the nearby proximity because now we all have to be so much more intentional and deliberate about how we're setting up these online and remote Mm -hmm. touch points so that Mm -hmm. people continue to feel connected. Mm -hmm. Now, what I found was the people who are good at connecting in general, in person, have transitioned Mm -hmm. to work from home, online life much better than those that didn't Mm -hmm. because, again, it's just anything that you do poorly has been magnified and anything you did well has been magnified. So Mm -hmm. it's something, you know, and I have written articles about this. I coach leaders on this, you know, taking some time and I'll get, I'll offer three really simple questions that you should use if you're not using them already Mm -hmm. around checking in with your teams. Number one, how are you feeling today? Right. And you can't answer Mm -hmm. with, I'm fine. I'm good. You can't answer Mm -hmm. with the cultural placeholders that we're used to. Like, I'm good. How are you? No, like, mm-hmm. how, are you, how are you really doing? And you can model this too. Mm-hmm. Question number two is like, what's distracting you or what's on your mind, right? Just give people a chance just to vent of, because you know what? I'm not focused on my work every single minute, every day. Mm-hmm. So what's on your mind or what's distracting you? And number mm-hmm. three is how can I, or how can we support you today or in mm-hmm. this meeting? You know, and again, it doesn't have to take a long time, but really mm-hmm. simple, practical check-in questions for you to lead. And you don't need to know the answers. This is mm-hmm. the beauty of facilitative leadership is, you create the structure, you ask the questions, and your team, there's a reason we call this knowledge work, because they have the knowledge. So mm-hmm. let them come up with the answers and then find ways to support them. Your role is to help facilitate, which that word comes from the French facile, to make things easier for people. Mm-hmm. Right? They don't want you to control and demand and, and correct and direct. They want mm-hmm. you to facilitate, to make things easier, you know, so you can mm-hmm. steward them so they can do their best work. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the important points that you make as well is that leadership isn't just at the top. Not at all. No, in fact, mm-hmm. you know, people say sometimes, oh, what's your definition of leadership? And it's actually, it's grown and gotten more expensive as I go. And where it stands out now is I believe that leadership is any time that you're trying to get anyone to get mm-hmm. anything done. And by the way, that could mm-hmm. be just yourself. Yeah, it could be mm-hmm. one other person. It could be 20, but it could be one or just yourself. Anytime you want to get anything done with anyone, that takes leadership. Mm -hmm. The fact is we all lead every day. And the first person Mm -hmm. we have to lead is ourselves. So yes, leadership is definitely not a title. And Mm -hmm. so often people are in a situation today as our hierarchies are becoming flatter, our organizations are becoming flatter, our transparency is increasing, the ability for anyone to speak to anyone or not, the ability for anyone to have a platform to complain about anyone or not is bigger Mm -hmm. and bigger. Mm -hmm. Suddenly you realize oh gosh, I lead every day and how do I lead and influence people without authority? Because Mm -hmm. the fact is, if you go to the old parental, because I'm your daddy, that's why, which is like the variation Mm -hmm. of, or your mommy or your boss, do this Mm -hmm. because I say so. Yes. You know, that's just not good enough anymore. You know, it Mm -hmm. wasn't good enough for kids when they became teenagers. Like, I'm done, I'm out of here. You know, they start Mm -hmm. to rebel. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And now we have a workforce, particularly the millennials and Gen Z now in the workplace who mm-hmm. refuse to play by those rules. They said, you know what? I deserve more respect than this. In fact, mm-hmm. I would rather quit this job and move back into my parents' house yes. than I would to work for you. And they mm-hmm. did. Yeah, and they changed a lot of things that. around. And I think mm-hmm. the challenge that many leaders are having, particularly people who are my age, I'll, I'll self-qualify, Gen X, I'm fi- almost 53 now, mm-hmm. and older, and those have been around, is because we grew up in a culture where we had to pay our dues to get there. And mm-hmm. suddenly the rules of change are going, but time out, mm-hmm. this is not fair. Mm-hmm. I went along with it. You know, they told me to basically comply and I did, and I was a good, mm-hmm. you know, keep my nose clean, loyal yep. employee. And I got You're ahead. a good cog. That, yeah, I was a good <laughs> cog in the machine. And so now, mm-hmm. what are you saying? You're saying that these people get off with every, yes, I am saying that, is mm-hmm. that our generation of leaders now gets to be the ones who break the chain, mm-hmm. be the change who, you know what, the new rules of engagement are care respect and kindness, full stop. Mm-hmm. And if you can't offer that to your people, they're mm-hmm. going to leave. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you? I mean, fundamentally, mm-hmm. as opposed to, well, this is a job, you just do it. Because again, today people have LinkedIn, they have Glassdoor, they have Indeed, mm-hmm. they can find out where the grass is greener. Mm-hmm. You know, there are so many more vacancies. You know, we had in the US, the labor statistics came out in May. We had 3 million resignations in May. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. we call it the great resignation. Yes, you know, absolutely. so people are picky and choosy. And again, they went without for a year and a half with a lot of things. They went, you know what? We can get by. You know, I'm not mm-hmm. going to settle for this dead end job. Mm-hmm. So as leaders, there is such an opportunity because if we can rise above, you know, the middle majority of mediocrity, mm-hmm. we're going to be well off. So, mm-hmm. you know, you bring up such good points here. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I've worked for a number of different leaders to where complete polar opposites of each other. One was incredible and one, you know, perhaps not so much. And sometimes when I see some of those qualities and, and you speak a little bit about this of learned behavior yeah. and almost mirroring or patterning some of the previous leaders that you've worked for, whether good or bad, yeah. how do you get around that? I think, well, the first thing, how you get around it, I don't think the way around it is actually through it. And you bring Mm -hmm. up such a point. I I think so many of us, we don't consciously mean to mirror and Mm -hmm. mimic the behavior we Mm -hmm. learned. And I I learned this in a really funky, strange, hard way. It had nothing to do with work. So I mentioned I've got kids. My kids are now 17 and 14. So this -hmm. this happened when they were about six and three. So about a little over 10 years ago. That's where I'm at. (laughs) You're you're with six and three? I'm I'm three and nine. Oh my gosh. And you've been Mm -hmm. having with them during COVID and like school. And oh, my hat is off to you, Shelly, because that is hard. (laughs) I'm in the thick of it. You are. You are. Mm -hmm. Oh, my hat is so off to you in the last couple of years. Because yeah, this is the thick time. Mm -hmm. So you can imagine. So my kids are six and three. And Mm -hmm. I was in the kitchen trying to get something done for what I didn't even know what it was at this point. And they were off in the living room, goofing off as kids do. And mm-hmm. for whatever reason, Shelly, I got really triggered. I got really triggered. I know it's not my best parenting moment. I mm-hmm. got a bit triggered. I know you know you're on your head. You know what I'm talking <laughs> about. And I walk into the living room and this is the words that came out of my mouth with a certain level of volume, I will say as well. This is what I said. I said, would you two stop behaving like children? <laughs> All right. So I'm telling you this for two reasons. Number one, that's a ridiculous <laughs> thing to say because they yeah. were six and three. They are children. But this is mm-hmm. the crazy part. Shelly, because as soon as the words left my mouth, I went, oh my gosh, because those were the exact same words and the same phrasing my mother gave with my brother and I when we were kids. So unconsciously, Mm -hmm. boom, there it was, Mm -hmm. scared the daylights out of me. So Mm -hmm. to me, it's like, so why do we lead the way we do? We copy the previous generations. And most of us, 
whether it's mm-hmm. at work, especially at work and in, in many of our families of origin, you listen here, mister, you do as you, you know. And so suddenly, guess what? We are engaging in power struggle. Yeah. So that's where we learn it. So your question is, how do we get around it? I don't think you do. I think what you do is you hold up the mirror because I think the journey of emotional intelligence, which is really what we're talking about here, begins mm-hmm. with self-awareness. And can you mm-hmm. stop yourself, press pause mm-hmm. and start to go, how is what I'm doing either working or mm-hmm. not working? And if it's not working, am I mm-hmm. humble enough? Which is hard for leaders who have titles and ranks and are also stressed with other aspects of their life. Mm-hmm. But here at work, maybe they're not. So do I really want to take this on? Because breaking this mm-hmm. chain means I have to actually, oh gosh, I have to actually think about my behavior and change it. And it's hard. Changing behavior is hard. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. that's the path. That, And mm-hmm. ultimately, if you want to become a better leader, you need to become a better person. See, this, mm-hmm. is, the, this is the irony of this, is that actually leadership development starts with personal development. Because you can't yeah. separate, yeah, yes, there are leadership skills, but I mm-hmm. can't separate those out from people skills because they're one and the same. Mm-hmm. And so ultimately, if you want to get better at this and change the paradigm and change your mindset, and here's the piece around this, as many of us are listening to this, like, okay, but what do I do? Right? Mm-hmm. Read more books. So it's not about reading. It's not about getting more knowledge. It's yeah. about putting it into practice. And my high, high recommendation to everyone listening is leadership is best practiced in community, right? You can't do this on your mm-hmm. own. So whether it's having a coach Mm-hmm. or a group coaching thing, or a mastermind group, or a mentor, but checking in with people where you can be yourself and being honest mm-hmm. about, hey, yeah, this is what I'm struggling with. Because a lot of people don't have a single person like that in their lives. Mm-hmm. And if you just try to think you're going to think your way out of this and figure yeah. it out on your own, it's mm-hmm. really hard. I mean, the only reason I have developed is because I found some really great groups and communities and I have a, you know, I have a couple of coaches that I work with on a consistent basis. I mean, here I'm mm-hmm. a coach. I need coaches. Mm-hmm. I, of course, mm-hmm. I mean, find these people. They can be good friends who will reflect back to you. They can be mm-hmm. colleagues. They can be almost anyone who will support you in your growth and lean into that. And, that, and ultimately, mm-hmm. if you want to get around it, go through it. Mm-hmm. That's great. How do you think vulnerability plays into leadership? Wow. I mean, huge. I mean, if we think about what genuinely, I mean, everything we've been talking about so far has been humanistic, mm-hmm. you know, human-centered, empathetic-based leadership. And so a mm-hmm. big piece of this is vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And that is, what I mean by that is your willingness to be open around what's really going on. Mm-hmm. And the model of vulnerability shows, because the fact is, being vulnerable means you're putting yourself on a certain level at risk, right? Hence, we call it vulnerability. You're at risk that you are revealing something about yourself that in some way, shape or form, there's a part of you that thinks you could be taken advantage of. Like, oh, Mm -hmm. you know, like I asked a group, I was working with a group of business students last week in in New Delhi, India. And I said to them, what do you think some of the biggest challenges to leading with empathy are? And a couple of the comments came back is, I don't want to appear weak. Because if your mindset is, I'm a leader. Mm-hmm. I can't be vulnerable because mm-hmm. leaders never, never let them see a sweat, you know, mm-hmm. whereas I'm all about like, and you can't see this, like showing up here, take a look right here. Like you want to show people <laughs> your, like be again, because people mm-hmm. don't connect to imperfect godlike deities. It's like, yeah. I can't do that. People connect mm-hmm. to people who make mistakes and screw yeah. up and have problems and are challenged because they're just like you and me. 
Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, think about the stories that are compelling. You know, if someone says, how are you? Well, everything in my life is perfect. How are you? Like, mm-hmm. like, okay, I guess I'm done. I guess I'm mm-hmm. inadequate. Yeah. So vulnerability is a key piece. Now I will caveat that and say, because mm-hmm. I know that we do live in a world of increased transparency. Yeah. And I think you don't want to tip your vulnerability to the point. I'll put it this way. So for example, I share the story about my mother and my grandmother which happened a long time ago. And I've done my own work around that. I've gone into therapy and I can share that story pretty easily without getting massively triggered on my own. There may be Mm -hmm. things that are much more raw and ripe and closer to the surface for you Mm -hmm. or anyone for that matter. And I would say that if you sharing something is going to tip you to the point where the person you're talking to is now more concerned for your own emotional, mental health and welfare than Mm -hmm. actually listening to the point you're trying to make by being vulnerable. Yeah. It's too soon. And that's part of the mindset of a leader is I need to do my own work enough that I'm not basically using all of my messiness of life, of which we all have some, by the way, but using Mm -hmm. it as an object lesson. I need to do enough of the work to have cleaned up at least the edges of it so it's not quite so raw. So I did want to throw that out there because I have seen people who want to share things. It's like, it's it's too soon. It's too much. It's okay. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a time and a place for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think if COVID has taught me anything, it has opened up the platform for being just a little bit more vulnerable. Yeah. You know, as leaders, we want to be that superhero and be yeah. the person that solves everything. But I think sometimes it's okay to not be okay sometimes. And perhaps if you're leading by example, then, you know, some of your team members will feel a little bit, just a little bit more able to share their struggles with you as well. So yeah. what I think that's a really about, important yeah, piece. As you say that, I mean, the word that comes up so often is, you know, because we're social creatures, humans are mm-hmm. social and, we, and we're looking to leaders to set the social cues. And mm-hmm. so what you're doing, I mean, we call it the fancy word is normalize, right? We're normalizing mm-hmm. the experience. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you mean what I'm going through is on the bell curve of normal? I'm not cra- Like, it's okay, you know? And so much of our inherited customs around the workplace basically have to do with, I'm here to be used as a human resource by the corporation. I'll give you an example. I mean, how many of us have been in a two-hour meeting that has not yet taken a break, right? We're like the hour yeah. two, hour, you know, and there's a party. It's like, I really have to go to the bathroom. But like, like something as simple as that, but mm-hmm. no one is getting up. I can't, like, I have to, I have to, like, I can't speak up because then, you know, like, what is that about? I mean, think mm-hmm. about it. And there, there's so many customs that involve us. I mean, I was just talking about this the other day too. I mean, the fact that we schedule 60 minute meetings back to back Mm -hmm. to back to back to back all day. I mean, anyone Mm -hmm. that's done that, you know that after the third and the, it's just, there's diminishing returns versus what Mm -hmm. if we change our defaults to 45 minutes and go, I work with human beings. Human beings need a little bit of recovery time before they can cognitively focus on the next task. Mm -hmm. So that's how we do things in our company. But Mm -hmm. we don't do that because that's how it's always been done because we're still operating from this industrial age mindset. We got to maximize every last minute of that meeting. Like you're not maximizing, you're hitting Mm -hmm. the wall. And so it's up to us as leaders to really look at these processes and go, how can I do things differently that's going to support me and the people that I want to lead? Mm -hmm. That's great. Thank you. Yeah. So are you up for a little rapid fire? Yes, I love rapid fire. (laughs) Okay, so I'm just going to throw some questions out there. One word answer if you can. Six, is that the right answer? No. Six, yes. I'm jumping. Whatever comes to mind first. Okay. Okay. What was your first job? 
First job was babysitting. Very first job. I didn't go, I had a bunch of other jobs. Nice. Night owl or early bird? Early bird. Cat or dog person? Dog. First thing you marketed? A bagel delivery service. (laughs) (laughs) Dark chocolate or milk? Dark. What's your favorite word right now? Exacerbate. I used that today. In fact, I was like, (laughs) where'd that word come from? Exacerbate. Good one. The last charity you supported? The Northampton Community Music Center. Nice. A movie you love? Star Wars. (laughs) I'm the right age for it. Yes, nice. Favorite song or album on repeat right now? Elvis Costello's first, I forget the name of it, his first album. That's, yeah, his first big album. I've been listening to that. If you weren't doing this job, what would you be doing? Mm. I would be pulling out the guitar and I'm getting into a rock band. Nice. (laughs) What's an app on your phone you can't live without? I'm currently... Positive intelligence. Okay. There's a whole we'll story behind that, that. People can email me if they want to know more. Sounds good. Uh, favorite children's book? There is a monster at the end of this book. It's a Sesame Street book. You, do you know that one? No, I don't. Oh my God, you got to find it. It's, uh, I, okay. mean, I loved it as a kid and I loved reading it to my kids. Yeah, Great. It's with, it stars Grover from Sesame Street. Yeah. Yeah. What's the best thing you bought for under $10? Oh my goodness. Oh, best thing. I just bought a new pair of cycling shorts for $14.99, but that's not making my cut Close enough, $10. close enough. <laughs> I was very excited. They were what, cycling. What was that? Uh, cycling shorts, okay. bike, bike shorts. They were on super special. I was very excited. Nice. Sounds like a great deal. What's your guiltiest pleasure? I have one bizarre video game that I get into every so often. Nice. My nine-year-old would love that. Yeah. Most treasured possession. Oh gosh. It's going to sound cheesy. My health. Mm. Nice. Not a material possession. No. What would your superpower be? Mm, Creating safe spaces for people. Good one. The last thing you Googled. Last thing I Googled was, um, how far away is the dermatologist's office? <laughs> Sorry. That's just, I had an annual checkup. That was Honest answer. too much I information. Love I love it. <laughs> a business or a marketing book that you'd recommend? So my friend Jeff Brown is publishing this book called Read to Lead. He has a podcast and he's wrote this book. It's all about if you're not a reader, how to start cultivating a reading habit. And all oh. the best leaders read a ton of books. And mm-hmm. so a lot of people go like, I want to. So yeah, it's just coming out this week as we're going Awesome. Yeah. Have to look it up. Okay. Last but not least, what is the most important thing you've ever changed your mind about? Most important. I'm, now we've got that superlative. That's like the most important. Yeah. Um, one of the things. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for taking the pressure off on that one. It's still, <laughs> it's still a great question. Change my mind on... Yeah, it's one of the most important. So I used to think that, you know, with enough kind of inspiration and motivation is that, you know, people could change. And I think what I've changed my mind on is that I've really come to the understanding that inspiration and motivation are fair weather friends. Mm-hmm. And that ultimately it's really about 
what do you do to embed habits, like new behavioral habits that are going to last? If you want to do something over time, you mm-hmm. need to create habits. And it's just, mm-hmm. there's something that's just not very sexy about the consistency of building habits, mm-hmm. but it's really, for my money, it's it's where things are at. You know, and that includes, I'm doing, oh, see, now you thought, something else is the power of micro learning. It's like, how do you get mm-hmm. little drips of learning over time consistently, as opposed to a couple of big, like two-day workshop, boom. Right. So, I'm, so yeah. those are connected, those two things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Connected to reading, connected to just staying yeah. in tune with what's going on around you. Yeah. Consistency. That's great. Thank you, Alain. That's been amazing. This has been great. Shelly, thank you so much. Yeah. I guess my last thing is, is there anything that I haven't asked you that oh. you'd like to tell our listeners all about? Oh my gosh. Well, thank you. First of all, <laughs> so many, I feel like we could so talk for many hours. Things. We could talk for hours. <laughs> Absolutely. So folks, as you're listening, you are now part of the end of the podcast club because you've listened this far. Congratulations. Hats off <laughs> yes. to you. So here's yeah. my offer to you because you are part of the mm-hmm. end of the podcast club, which is mm-hmm. if you have any questions that came up from this, please email me directly. My email is Alain, which is A-L-A-I-N at Alain Hunkins, A-L-A-I-N-H-U-N-K-I-N-S.com. So email me with any questions you have. Connect with me on LinkedIn if you want to follow my stuff on social media. It's the only platform I really spend time on. And if you've got more questions about what I do, just check out my website. You can download the first chapter of the book, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm here to serve and hope to help you become a better leader in whatever capacity that can be. And it's and thank you for listening. And thank you for, for hosting today, Shelly. I really yeah. appreciate the questions. Thank you, Alain. Say for all of our listeners out there, definitely pick up this book, Cracking the Leadership Code. It's incredibly insightful, especially now in the times that we're in. Alain, it's been such a pleasure. You're an inspiration and I look forward to keeping in touch. Me too. Thanks so much, Ken. Thanks, Alain. Thanks for listening to Marketing News Canada. For more episodes and other great stories from Canadian marketers, visit marketingnewscanada.com. All episodes are recorded in the Jelly Marketing Studio, thanks to our producer, Chris Penner, and editors, Travis Jeffers and The Podfather. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.